This episode of The Shootout with Bill Blanchard is brought to you in part by... Looking for some merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling star? The only place to get it is at Livewire Wrestling Spreadshirt Store at shoplivewire.ga. Here you'll find the largest selection of merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling stars. And we are always adding new designs, so you'll always find something that fits and suits your taste. So head on over to shoplivewire.ga and get yours today. Warning, the views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring that people said, oh my God, that boy is stupid? Put over Brandon Parker. What? <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch and, match? Damn. And he looked like the big guy off of Captain America. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's that's just that shocked the fuck out of me. How one guy who's just asking straight up questions to people, and straight up answers, is getting more hits than something that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, it's just kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> Do we really have to go there? No, I heard Vince's comment one night. He said, hey, even God himself has, has a sense of humor. You know? I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dickens. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some... Dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Chris, HK was told dirt what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> Damn. I hit another singer right out the park. Wow. Um, wow. Don't forget, well, we have know, to put six over in the main event because he was the top guy. And, um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? I'll stand it first. I feel like going to the Cheeto show and Patriots part. I was like pissing on the grave. That one, bro. The shootout with Bill Blanchard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Wrestling Shootout. Hey, I'm host of Iver Payne, Bill Blanchard. Tonight, I'm fired up tonight. I, I'm emotional and I'm fired up. It's Happy Thanksgiving. Golly, man, I know it's acting well for us recording is actually the night before Thanksgiving, but if you remember the old WWF Survivor Series would take place on the on the night of Thanksgiving, but the very first time they went the day before Thanksgiving was Survivor Series 1991, where they where the infamous World Wrestling Federation Championship, probably the very first, it was, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was. The very first time the WWF Championship was defended by the reigning three-time World Wrestling Federation Champion Hulk Hogan, brother, 
versus the dark side, the dead man with his manager, Paul Bearer, the Undertaker. I tell you what, man, I still get goosebumps about that match. I was a little Hulkamaniac back then and watching Hulk Hogan go one-on-one with the Undertaker and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Was there at ringside and history was made. The Undertaker did defeat the immortal Hulk Hogan by Tombstone, although... Although people wonder if his head hit the mat or not. But, you know, the only thing I got out of that match was, he got me, brother. Oh, he got me, brother. But, you know, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to talk about that tonight. As we all know, the 30-year anniversary of The Undertaker just took place. In 30 years, The Undertaker, at this point in time, has announced his retirement. And today, we're going to sit there and talk a little bit about The Undertaker. But before I get to The Undertaker, I have got to talk about my main man, Adrian Davis, who knocked it out of the park on the last episode. He is actually going to be debuting tomorrow night. So if you're hearing this show right now, if you haven't heard it yet, yes. Sorry. If you haven't heard it yet, please check into it. An incredible story by an upcoming superstar who's making his who's making his name very, very well in the CSRA. Adrian Davis, we love you. We appreciate you being on the shootout. But I have a guest on here who wants to come on here and try to clear the air here a little bit here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to my guest this time. He's a you know, he's still considered a co-host. He's been absent for a few shows, but He's back with us tonight. I'm talking about the reigning, defending co-holders of the UCW World Tag Team Championship and still technically co-holders of the now defunct Adrenaline Wrestling Foundation, AWF World Tag Team Champions. We all know him as a former UCW champion, former AWF champion, the man who broke Harley Race's record, the man who broke CM Punk's record. Probably because he looked it that way. I'm sorry. I'm just giving a little bit jib and jive. But ladies and gentlemen, I welcome to you the man, the myth. Oh, he, 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 he doesn't wear a mask. My friend to the end, Mask Fury, Christian Fury, the Black Rose, the king of wrestling. What's up, boss? How you been? Oh, well, with that kind of introduction, I think I'm doing pretty good for myself. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. About about to have some uh, big old turkey and some mashed potatoes and gravy and some freaking baked uh, freaking um, macaroni and cheese and all kinds of fixings. Yeah, I'm probably gonna gain about fifty pounds <laughs> tomorrow. Don't forget about that sweet, delicious pumpkin pie, that cool whipped cream on top. I'm pretty yeah. sure you're getting ready to dive into that. Hell, I know I am. <laughs> With that and uh, pecan pie, man, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, we're we 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 gonna gain some weight on this one. And talking about freaking lifting barbells and eating steaks, well, we ain't gonna be eating steaks tomorrow, brother. <laughs> oh, it's all about my turkey and it's all about my ham and my dress. It's all about the pie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to all about the pie. I'm, I'm actually gonna eat my pie before my Thanksgiving feast, but that's another story. Now, with that being said, my friend. Um, Let's get down to wrestling business. You know, it's, it's been some fun. It's been some gains, but man, let's 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 take care of the hard work we're out there, and we'll get back to our holiday play. Okay, now I have had Jeremy Cruz. He is now, unfortunately, he's now the former uh, Livewire Heavyweight Champion. He had an incredible bloody uh, tile defense inside a 15 foot high steel cage match. 
I mean, with everything going on, everything that was building up to this match here in Livewire, you got to admit, Livewire made history by bringing back a steel cage match, a cage match where is it's been about close to five, six, seven years since we had one last in the CSRA. The last one being that took place in Flatline Pro that deals with, we all know him as the fireman, H.R. Brewer, against one of our own, Christopher Wiggins, in a very, very good cage match. You know, so years later, Jeremy Cruz and Matt Sills, they collided in steel cage inside, this, inside the, the American Legion at the Augusta, Georgia, man. I, I'm kind of curious, though. What, what are your thoughts on Livewire bringing the cage to the Augusta, Georgia? Well, it's been a long time coming. They Livewire has came a long way. I'm thoroughly impressed. Jeremy Cruz has a damn good run as Livewire champion, and I'm kind of curious to see how Matt Sex Sells is going to carry as the Livewire champion. Um, but we can't take anything away. Now, right shortly after that, we had IWE bring in the steel cage match. So, I mean, not only did we have the first one in, what, five or six years in the Augusta area, but we turned around and had a second one. Now, not taking anything away from Livewire. Um, Livewire and IWE are two separate companies, but, you know, I wish I was there to see Matt Sex Sells and um, Jeremy Cruz. I heard that was a damn good match. Oh, it was, man, I was there seeing it live. I mean, Ryan Rain, the special guest referee, trying to call it down the middle. He gets blindsided by Matt Sills. I'm really curious to see how to see how uh, he's going to respond to that coming up January 2nd, which will take place at the Augusta, Georgia, the American Legion. Now, you also brought up uh, Billy Brash. He was in a match with a guy, you know, we all know him as Sean Legacy, you know, in this type of steel cage match, but you know, Jeremy Cruz was on the show and, and had some interesting thoughts about Sean Legacy. Saying for a guy who has a lot of talent, but this seemed like he paid the dues to get the kind of push that he's getting. Now, I've had some people message me and, and actually had some comments to that, you know, you know, stating the fact that, well, this guy pays dues every single day. He's in the gym working out and everything. He's in tremendous shape and, you know, and he's doing what he has to do to keep himself over and, quote, unquote, giving the fans what they want. Of course, I really have no idea what the hell Africa means. Me, I pay for a ticket. I want to see a fight. I'm not really looking for bodybuilders. But, hey, he teach his own. No disrespect towards Sean just there, but like I said, teach his own. Christian Fury, I'm curious, man. What are your thoughts? Because you've been on the show before. You mentioned about how – how respectful and disrespectful Lexi can be in the locker room, but when we came to UCW, please clear the airway, my man. Ooh, the victory laugh. I'm getting nervous. Oh, Sean Legacy. Shawnee boy, oh, Shawnee boy. Mr. Flippity Flop himself. Um, to be honest with you, Sean Legacy, yeah, okay. Well, part of paying your dues is being in that gym, brother. No, being in the gym is more for personal gain. When you're doing stuff for a wrestling company, that's paying dues. Paying dues is not being in the gym. That's how you work on your character, work on your physique and everything like that. But you pay your dues when it comes to showtime, when it comes to doing what you got to do, you know, during the show, for the show, at the show. So, but... Everybody's got their own viewpoints on paying dues. 
But at the, at the same, well, I tell you what, you know, you said you talk about paying dues. Do you think Sean Legacy pay attention to Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson's eighty-three weeks podcast about the situation with Sting and Hogan? You know, because you know they all said he he, he doesn't have a tan. You know, so Sean Legacy instead of paying dues, he bought he paid for some spray on tan. You know, the spray and stuff. Because you know, he he don't want that to happen to him. You know, he got to make sure he has his tan before he steps in the ring. Yeah, make sure he, he has a tan, brother. Now, now, I'm not going to be on here to shit all over Sean Legacy. I've had my run-ins with him. He rubbed me the wrong way, being holier than thou. But I've heard other people talk and send praises on how humble he is and everything like that. I just wish I saw that side of Sean Legacy. But at the same token, hey, to each his own. He's doing his own thing. He entered in a bodybuilding competition not too long ago, and I think he came in, what, third place? Third place. Well, hey, that ain't bad. You know, this is his first time going. I mean, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But, uh... But, in all due respect, I'm a I'm a gym rat myself. I spend a lot of time in the gym. I, of course, I consider myself a weightlifter. And, you know, I'm all about to go, not about the show. I'm I'm all about power. But yeah, hey, yeah, if I see Sean, you know, I tell you what, man, he he, he does work hard, man. With all due respect, we're having we're having fun here. It's Thanksgiving, and I got too much sugar in my system, but we're having we're having fun here, man. Ain't nothing personal, Sean. We love it, man, for the rest of the shootout. But- I, I appreciate what you said about live wire. Like I said, man. I'm, I know there was professional heat between Livewire Pro Wrestling and uh, you know United Championship Wrestling UCW, but you know, I guess in all fairness, when it comes to competition, you know everyone's going to try to you know go out their way to become number one, and you know I know people might feel like in the CSRA, I know Kim Case was on the show not too long ago, and he thought, he thought this way about it. You know, you got Bauer Pro with number one, IWE number two, and Livewire is now number three. But, you know, I don't know. You know, I, he, here's my thing. You know, I see Bauer Pro as a sports entertainment storytelling promotion, right? Mm-hmm. IWE is a pro wrestling trying to book great pro wrestling matches. They may not be necessarily following a specific storyline the way Bauer Pro is, but they're they're producing good matches. And you know, the fans that do come there, I think are very, very appreciative of what they do. And 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 that's a success on its own, too. If your fans that pay a ticket to come to the show and they go home happy, like what they saw, to me that's a that's a success story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. and I, I feel the same way about Livewire, you know. I mean, they've you know they're the underdog in this situation. They are the underdog, you know, everything against them, if you would, that's been placed against them. And they have rose to the occasion. And like I said, um, my hat's off to Jeremy Cruz and Matt Sells. They put on a tremendous match in the cage match. Uh, Adrian Davis had a tremendous matchup with Josh Magnum. Very, very appreciate for him coming down there and putting on one hell of a show. You know, and on all the other rushers too that competed in October 24th at Livewire, which, which by the way, you know, January 2nd at the American Legion. You know, in Augusta, Georgia, you know, Livewire will return, and I'm waiting to see what's going to happen next. But now, now, for everybody who's listened to the shootout, before y'all tune things out, okay, I know where I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be talking about The Undertaker. Now, look, everyone's got their favorite memories of the dead man, okay? We're not necessarily here to talk about our favorite 
um, matches of The Undertaker, which we might mention a couple, but keep this in mind. If you're if you're a fan of the Spoken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Steve Austin Show, and if you're a fan of podcasts, okay, Undertaker, Mark Calloway, if you would, has finally came forward and has been talking on podcasts from the ESPN podcasts. He's he's connected from his home, and like I said, he's been on the Spoken Skull with Steve Austin on the Steve Austin Show. I actually want to talk about what he said and let myself and, and uh, Christian Fury put our spin on it. Okay. Now, before we touch on the Montreal screw job, let's go ahead and talk about this because, you know, Marcus came on there and there was an urban legend rumor ending window, if you would, about what happened. At WrestleMania 14, the Boston Garden main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin challenging at the time, World Wrestling Federation champion, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, we all know what happened about, you know, Brett didn't want to do the job for Shawn. Shawn didn't want to put over Brett the year previously. The whole enchilada. Well, now the tanker's kind of feeling like lightning's not going to strike the same place twice. You know, Shawn's about to leave. Not going to the WCW, but... We all know we heard his back. So the insurance policy, whatever was going on with that scenario. But, you know, we all know that Sean was battling a lot of personal demons at this time, right? Well, the rumor was, well, the Undertaker was there to make sure Sean was going to do business. He didn't want to freaking pussy off another, another injury and say, I'm here to forfeit the belt. I'm not doing this. Yada, yada, yada. Well, Taker then said that ain't happening this time. He was, the rumor was he was there prepared to whip Sean's ass and make sure Sean was going to drop that belt to Steve Boston because it was Austin's time. We need him to be the champion. We need him to run with it. It's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? You know, and then supposedly, you know, Sean confronted the Undertaker. Well, he, was that really true? And they're like, nah, man, that, that ain't true. You know how rumors get started around here. Well, here recently, this week, matter of fact, this past Sunday night on the Smoking Skull Sessions, Steve Austin brings that up. And would you know it, Mark finally came clean with it and pretty much said, yes, I am here to make sure that I was here that night, taping up my fist in gorilla position. I was prepared to go down there and make sure that man dropped the belt to Steve Austin, make sure he passed the torch, make sure he did the job because you're not going to try to wish your way out of there and walk it out with the belt for whatever personal reasons you felt like about the time. No, it was Steve Austin's time, and you needed to accept that. That being said, Christian Fury, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, given Sean's track record, I can understand why The Undertaker was at gorilla position. Because uh, he was there for the whole Montreal screw job. He was there when stuff went down and stuff, and he wasn't going to let it happen again because this was Austin's time. And it wasn't the fact that, um, okay, yeah, Sean can walk out and then forfeit it and then go into a tournament. No, Steve Austin had to win that belt for the company to move forward, and they couldn't do it on a tournament. He had to beat Shawn Michaels. So he wanted to make sure that Shawn did business. As you know, it was called that, that Sean would do business and Sean played ball. So I don't blame well, I, I much think to, one bit. I, I think 
I think we need to change the fact of what they were dealing with for a full year. Okay, let's go back to February 1997 where he freaking, you know, went to business for himself and said, hey, I'm hurt. I can't do the match with Bradley 13. What? What do you mean? Do a monkey wrench the whole damn thing. So now, well, Steve Austin's not ready yet, so let's put Brett with Steve Austin and we'll do Undertaker instead. And yeah. rumor was, like, Undertaker, so rumor was, I read in Bret Hart's book, you know, Undertaker says, well, I believe that when I see a scar, whether Sean's mm-hmm. going to have knee surgery or not. You know, to my knowledge, at that time frame, he didn't have knee surgery, to my knowledge. At that, that particular time frame, I could be wrong. I'll research it again if I need to, but to my knowledge, from her correctly, you know, because of hell, whatnot, shortly after WrestleMania 13, you see Shemekos doing a moonsault on the top rope, you know, landing on there laughing about it because he didn't want to do the job for Bray, you know. So, like, Bray Hart gets all this freaking heat, you know, oh, he didn't want to put Sean over, he wouldn't do the right thing for the business. Motherfucker, how the hell was Sean doing right for business, you know? I mean, seriously, think about what, what Undertaker was thinking at that time frame. This guy didn't want to do business back then. He's been a pain in the ass backstage, causing all kind of drama. And yeah, I mean, I mean, he, 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 yeah, Sean was dealing with his demons. Okay, I get that. You know, I get that. He cracked under the pressure to, as being the defending champion. They're getting their asses kicked in the rings by WCW. And then what happens when you're the heavyweight champion? For some reason, people want to blame you. Okay, Sean couldn't handle the pressure. He didn't like the fact that Jose Lothario was being his corner man. You know, his mentor, the guy who trained him, for God's sakes. You know, he didn't like the fact that. He was ruining his image and whatnot. I don't know. I mean, all kind of crap was being said, written by Dave Meltzer and, you know, Brian Alvarez and all that crap. I mean, you can read the dirt sheets and believe what you want to believe in and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, believe what you want to believe. I mean, I, I call it like I see it. Bottom line is, it's supposed to be Sean Michaels versus Bret the Hitman Hart at WrestleMania 13. Sean didn't want to play ball. Sean wanted to go home because he, quote, unquote, lost his smile. They're trying to get sympathy love from the wrestling fans. Let me ask you, Mr. Wrestling Yourself. Because I didn't buy it. I didn't fall for it. I didn't fall for that, you know, sympathy crap, you know. I got lost my smile. I just kind of looked at him like, really? Really? No, nah, you just don't want to face the hit, man. That was my f- true thought since 1997. You know, let's say you. Let's say you. You're a wrestling fan back then. <laughs> yeah, I was back then. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I'm talking like I'm not now. But, yeah, I was back then. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> talking like I'm not now, but anyway, I, I mean I don't watch okay, it like I used to. Back then. But you're but I wouldn't. Well, I'm not watching it like I used to. But um, I mean, honestly, I don't know about his knee injury and whatever else. But losing his smile, I'm sitting there going, "Loot, you lost your smile. Um, you're the World Wrestling Federation champion." How do you well, lose your smile? Jay, I understand this. Jay, I understand this, though. Jim Cornette says in a Jim Cornette's uh, drive-thru, okay, and I've heard Bruce Pritchard say the same thing on something to wrestle with when discussing this situation. Well, all, both of those guys said Sean went into business for himself. What I mean by that was, all he's supposed to say was, I got injured, I can't defend the title, here's the championship belt, thank you for all the wrestling fans. But no, he went on and on and on and said, I got to – live up my dream. I've got to sign the autographs. I've got to do all these things as champion, but somewhere down the line, I lost my smile. I wasn't that happy to go listen to Sean anymore, and I just needed to go home and find my smile and be all sad, puffy face. Bruce and Jim Cornette said, the man went into business for himself. He wasn't supposed to say none of that stuff. 
So let's say you. I mean, you mean you call that going to business for yourself? They're trying to get sympathy. They're trying to make people feel feel for you and hate everybody else, or you know, well, I mean, or you know, the proper phrase for that nowadays in WWE, where just Sean was being Sean, <laughs> you know, yeah. taking the spotlight. There you go. There you go. Sean was being Sean. You know, I mean, what else could you say? Um, I mean, yeah, you get the gist of it. You get the gist that, yeah, I, I'm injured. I cannot live up to my obligations of being the World Wrestling Federation champion. So I hereby forfeit. Yeah, that's not Sean's style. Sean has got to milk it. Sean has got to throw a little sympathy card out there. Oh, I lost my smile. I mean, he was, a, he, as to my knowledge, I mean, he was a babyface champion, was he not? Of course he's trying to garner yeah, he sympathy. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, of course he's garnering sympathy. Of course he's playing the sympathy card to try to get the fans to go, Oh, he Whoa. lost his smile. The violin, not Shawn Michaels. You know, and hey, like Vince was shedding a tear too, you know. Oh, yeah, Gorilla Monsoon was there. He was, you know, he was there when he handed him the belt and all that kind of nonsense and you know, so so let's go back to the other ticker. Imagine what he was thinking. All this crap's being done about Sean. Sean's showing up the stage, kind of doped out on pills, or he's high, or he's drunk, or whatever that crap that was going on. And, and the whole, you know, Sean talking about, well, you know, Hitman's been having sunny days. And then, yep. I mean, you've been having some sunny days here lately. <laughs> you know, and all, yeah. all this stuff that was going on. And of course, the fight happened between Brett and Sean, and all that chaos and mess that was going on. And everybody was saying Sean was an arrogant prick. He was difficult to work with. You know, talk about all this crap going on. Yeah, at the same time, you got Steve Austin who was recovering from a neck injury that happened with Owen Hart. You know, but obviously, he's being, he is he's red hot right now with the fans. Sean's not being red hot. They're not talking about Sean Michaels. They're talking about Steve Austin right now. You know, they're still talking about Bret Hart, if you would. You know, and Sean probably couldn't handle that. He's pissing him off and everything. And all of a sudden, like, okay, two years ago, you know, Bret was kind of like, no, I'm the guy. You know, I'm the man. I'm mean, Sean's got the momentum now. So Sean, our man, but everything came in. Sean, our man, and Bret Hart feeling the pressure, but Bret Hart did the job. Did it clean in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. You know, mm-hmm. Brett might have left a little bit of heat, but he wanted everybody to think that we're going to see. According to Brett, that's what him and Sean talked about. Let everybody buy into the heat. So the fans will buy it, the bulls will buy it. So when the guys lock up, yeah, we're going to draw some serious house. You know, that was Brett's mindset. Sean, oh, I want to go home. I don't want to do this thing. You know, and so then all of a sudden, when WrestleMania comes up again, Steve Austin went to the Royal Rumble in 98. Obviously, he is the guy. That's that. That's the red-hot superstar that's turning things around for the WWF, along with the Mr. McMahon character. Okay, I get it. But Sean's not in that spotlight no more, you know? What was Sean saying? What the hell was Sean? My question is, what do you think Sean Michaels was saying behind the scenes? How was he acting like behind the scenes? Like, oh, I hurt my back. I hurt my back. I hurt my back. You know, we all talk about the, the scene where uh, Tanker hurt his back. At Royal Rumble 98, Shawn Michaels pulled out of the match, Jay. If you remember correctly, no way out. Um, 1998, it was an eight-man tag. Believe it or not, it was coming Steve Austin and Owen Hart. Oh, my God. I think Mick Foley and Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah, Mick Foley and Chainsaw Charlie, Cascadnack, was supposed to take on 
Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and the New Age Outlaws. Well, Shawn pulled out of the match that his back was hurt. That right there, in my opinion, was a red flag for The Undertaker. And then all of a sudden, WrestleMania was in jeopardy. Is Shawn going to show up to defend the title? You know what I'm saying? Because he pulled out of that match. What's stopping Shawn from doing it again? You know? Mm-hmm. But to Shawn's credit, he did show up, you know, to compete. But what we think. Sean had to been saying something for Undertaker, like, you know what? He ain't pushing his way now this time. I, he won't wear any other that belts coming off of him tonight. You know, he's not going to freaking try to do whatever, smudge whatever, walk out, try to hold on to the belt, then finish just strip him of it. You know, the damn guy to the tournament to give Austin the belt. Not nah, screw the hell. This man needs to do the right thing and drop the belt. I'm going to make sure of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Something had to been said for a taker to be a gorilla position. Tape it up his fist and be prepared to make sure, no, Sean, you're going to do the right thing one way or the other. If I got beat it out of you myself, your grass is going to got that damn ring and put Stone Cold over. Now, that is a that is a respect of leadership, a man speaking up for the boys, you know, of doing the right thing, you know. I, I mean, I think a lot of that might have been how he fucked about Bret Hart, too, thinking how Sean did what do it for Bret, try to fuck Bret over. This whole situation with McMahon, Mark could be like, no, it ain't gonna ha- ain't gonna happen. Now I'm involved. I'm gonna I'm gonna step up and take care of business. Yeah, that's one thing about you know Mark Calloway as the Undertaker that I've got to respect and love, man. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely positively correct about that. I mean, exactly. I mean, we can talk about possibilities. I mean, Sean could have been saying something to Trip Hunter, you know, about you know going in there and getting himself DQ'd or something like that, or going out there and, uh, and, uh, changing the finish on the fly, you know, I mean, something could have been said where Undertaker got word or got even a rumor that Sean was going to do something. And he got, no, that motherfucker's doing business tonight, you know, cause how many times did he forfeit a championship? So he wouldn't have to lose the belt. I know. I mean, you, you can even count the Intercontinental Championship on that one, you know, where he wouldn't have to do the job, you know, just forfeit the belt. I can't legit. He, he got his ass kicked by a couple of Marines at a bar, you know. <laughs> I love uh, how the belt just trust it. was, it took none over the BHBK. I don't think it was none. No, I like how Brett took one. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. We're talking about a Marine now. He might have felt like, like nine guys play. jumped him. I felt like it was none of them. No, just one devil dog motherfucker. <laughs> the other eight that he counted like, was trying to get the Marine off of him. <laughs> hey, hey, I like I liked how um I liked how Brahard put those nine cheerleaders that whooped her ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. But and, yeah, uh, he refused to do the job uh, defending the Intercontinental Championship. And of course, his title defense, you know, for the World Wrestling Federation, I lost my smile. And then, uh, I mean, come on, man. I, I got admit. I, I think was, the only other time that he lost that World Wrestling Federation Championship in the middle of the ring was against Psycho Sid. Survivor Series 96, that's right. He mm-hmm. lost it there. Forfeited then, then God, he won it back from Brett, and then he lost it to Stone Cold. Stone no, he Cold won it back it from Sid stuff. in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, but he had a forfeit again, right? Yeah. And then he won it back 
Fred, you know. Well, yeah. let me rephrase that. The screw job, the screw job, where Vince sold the ring. Well, the he bell was, the got belt it back. He got it on. back from Brett. He didn't win it back. Yeah. He got oh, it back goodness. from Brett. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And then the whole thing with Steve Austin. Now, granted, you know, it, it's funny that that, that that press conference that took place afterwards when Steve and Tyson was all there and Sean tried to bust in the last part. They kind of walked out, you know, and yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but, you know, I, 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 I got to agree with Taker. You know, yeah, back then, Sean was difficult to do it. But now, years later, when Sean came back in 02, he's a different guy. He's a born-again Christian. So, I mean, I am glad that Sean turned his life around. I am glad that Sean um, – now, granted, Briscoe, go fuck yourself. You know, we try and say, I think Shawn Michaels showed so much courage for doing what Richard McMahon wanted to to do business. That took a lot of courage. Man, horse shit. Horse shit. You know, See, Shawn was right, too look, worried look, any of the heat would come like back this. on him because he was I'm definitely gonna, afraid of Brett. Like this. Listen, listen, this is a freaking business. This is a, I'm, I'm going to cut it just like this, though. Okay, listen, we got a problem, Brett. We need to talk, man. This is what you did to me. We did to you. Love. We need to be professional. We need to do freaking business. What can I do to make it up for you? How about, how about a damn tag match? You and the freaking bulldog against me and Hunter. You can pin my shoulders on, on, on Raw. We're proud of this. You know? They coach Survivor Series. You put me over. Then boom, we're even. I mean, come on. He could have done something. Someone says it could have been done to prevent it. Instead, his fucking ego acts like, I ain't putting him over. Well, I ain't putting you over either. You know? I mean, yeah. come on here. Well, I mean, hey, I like the Jake and Snake reports. So fire both the asses. Both, the both their out. asses. You know? But what about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who says on a podcast, uh, Great North Wrestling, you know, acknowledging Great North Wrestling, okay? Oh, Hannibal, Hannibal, right? Okay, when they says, when Hacksaw answers that question, like, look, Brett, sorry, it's part of the job description, okay? You're supposed to freaking lose. I like how JBL says it. I know we're getting off uh, cover here, Jay. I'm, I'm, I got a point to this. You know, when JBL makes comments like, leave it to make more money. Come on, Brett. You know, but at, at the same freaking time, at the same time, you know, Sean did uh, more on his, on his end to make things right. In my opinion, as the Undertaker mindset was, if he knew about the situation, yeah, he would have set Brett and Sean down and they said, look here, you know, both y'all need to man up, fuck you up. This is what we're going to freaking do. You know, a week prior to Survivor Series, we'll do a tag match. Sean, you will go down to Brett. Brett, you will pin Sean, okay? And the following is Survivor Series, where it's one-on-one, you know, Brett, you will push Sean. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, Brett and Sean have been like, okay, Mark, you're right. I, I'm certainly right. And Brett have been like, yeah, that's all I wanted. I, I, I think Brett would have been, I think been a fair compromise. You know, they did a tag match, like Brett and the Bulldog versus uh, Hart. Or even Brett and, and, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You know, no, 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 no. Nightheart, because think about this, though. It would have worked better with the Bulldog. Brett and Bulldog just beat the Patriot Invader on a pay-per-view prior, okay? The Bulldog had a whole situation happen with Sean in the UK. Yeah, you right. There's some hurt feelings done there as well. So it, it would have made more sense for Bulldog to get a little retribution against Hunter, you know, and, 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 and Sean. So I would have done it just like that to make things right. They could have done a tag match on Monday Night Raw, Brett and Bulldog versus Sean and Hunter. And the following week, one-on-one with the whole world watching, you know, Sean would have got the belt. And then Brett could have gone to WCW 
and none of that shit wouldn't have happened. If they just went to Mark, Mark being the uh, leader, general, judge, if you would, in Russell Court, I mean, come on. I think I, I think Mark would probably would have fixed that whole situation if they just went to him. Instead of being like Triple H, no, fuck that guy. If he doesn't want to do business, oh, we'll make him do business. You know, it took a long time in there, I mean, you know, you know, forgive them, you know, but I know Jay, we, we talked about this before in the podcast before when it comes to um business wise, you know, in Vince's eyes, he was fighting for his promotion. Ted Turner, I kicked him in the balls, losing in the ratings. Vince's eyes, he had to protect every single employee. So to sacrifice one that saved the rest, you know, if me and you were in Vince's shoes, we probably would have done the same thing. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, great, we like to sit there and sit here and say we'd have done it differently. But I felt like if Mark knew what was going on, Mark would have straightened Brett and Sean out, in my opinion. My yeah. opinion. And it goes back to what Mark said. Brett would have had respect enough for Undertaker to hear him out. Exactly. Exactly. You know, now granted, I know Kevin Nash will probably sit there and say, Bill, Jay, fuck y'all. Y'all know the fuck y'all talk about. Undertaker told Brett in the locker room one time to take my damn finish saying, Motherfucker, it's not about you. Oh, no, no, it ain't doing it for me. That could be true. That could be true. But I still felt like Mark would have made Sean do the right thing. I do think if Mark explained to Barry to Brett, I, I, I do believe Brett would have listened to Mark. That's just my opinion, okay? I know my mm-hmm. opinion on mouth for shit, but damn it, man. I'm, I'm, but I think he'd know, had enough respect for Taker to do it, you know? Of course. But but, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do? Well, let's move on from that rumor. I know we kind of went around and around the world with that one. Undertaker, Mark Calloway. Now... He did one session with us on Smoking Goes Day. He did another session with them. He did one on ESPN Radio. Um, he even did one of, uh, gosh, I can't even remember this guy's name. It was the same guy that interviewed um, Undertaker years ago, about 10 years ago, you know, when Brock Lesnar was in the UFC, UFC 121, you know, and they talked about the whole scenario. And I, I want to challenge Mark on this one, Jay. I don't remember me telling you about this. It was an interview when Brock lost the first round to Cain Velasquez, right? Uh-huh. And Taker was kind of there, and Brock kind of walked out of the cage, and supposedly Brock knew uh, Taker was going to be there. So Brock walked around, make sure he walked by the Undertaker. And when Brock was walking by, all busted up by Velasquez, and Taker kind of stood to face, hey, you going to do it? You know, Brock just kind of little, huh? And just kept on walking. And the guy was interviewing him, asked Taker, you know, what was that about? He said, oh, it's personal. It's personal. That's all he would say. Well, the same guy that interviewed Tanker about a month or two or later, uh, this guy interviews Brock Lesnar. <sighs> it's about my wife, and I said something to him about it, you know, defending my wife. He probably showed up. And was, that's what Brock said in the interview. It's on YouTube, y'all. But... On the Smoking Skull sessions, Steve Austin asked Brock Lesnar, he said, J.J., son of a bitch. Are you still with me? Yeah, it's getting in and out, but I'm here. Sorry. Yeah, I just said poor connection, man, all of a sudden. Stupid weather. But, um, 
Austin asked uh, Taker about that so-called situation, and all that Taker said, it was business, brother. It was business. I was trying to steer him away from the UFC and get back in the WWE so me and Brock can have a good match and, you know, and uh, like I said, all business, all business. Who do you believe in now? Do you believe Taker saying it was all business or do you believe Brock Lesnar saying Taker and said something about his wife? And keep in mind, we all know who his wife is, Sable, you know, mm-hmm. Miss Terry. Um, um, Sable, yeah, excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, who do you but believe? I think, the, I think the correct phrase was, so you want to go? Yeah, do you want to go? You want to do it or something like that? That's what I heard. I, 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 yeah, but I think it was, you want to go? That's what I thought. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I I have got mixed feelings about that, you know, because, uh, yeah, he purposely walked by the Undertaker, you know, from where Undertaker was sitting at for that spot to happen. Know- do you know? Do you know Brock Lesnar said? I just remember this still in the interview. Brock Lesnar also said that um, he didn't even know who that was at first. You know, he said, "I just got done in a fight with Kevin Velasquez. My my bell's rocked. I'm hurting. I'm getting out of the cage. I walk goodbye, and next you know, he's there. You gonna do it? You know, I think so, something like that. You know, and probably I didn't know who it was at first. What told me that was Mark Calloway, Undertaker. I was like, oh crap, you know. Think it's working new here. Is Austin still working us? Say, oh, it was all about business, trying to get a match out of him. Or do you really think Mark said something about Sable and Brock said, Yo, talk about my wife, I'll kick your ass. Oh, yeah, I bet you'll see 121. I mean, I don't know. You know, hey, <laughs> we'll never know. The only ones that know that for fact is Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, speaking of that, which and everything, I know we, we, we're going we're gonna to mention a couple of key matches here. I, I want your honest opinion. You know, Tinker felt like Brock Lesnar did not need that win. He had to break streak to elevate him. That Brock was already way elevated enough. If we're going to have someone break the streak, make it mean something for someone to give them that big push, you know. But reality, though, according to Brock Lesnar, there's no one on the roster with the capabilities that he had to break this streak. If Brock couldn't do it, who could have? And Undertaker said, well, maybe nobody. If nobody ever came along to do it, then nobody would break the streak. You know, some some say it should have been broken. Some says all streaks are made to be broken. What say you, in your opinion? I feel like like this. Yeah, you're right. Streaks are made to be broken, but it has to be under the right circumstances. And I feel like if Undertaker was going to retire, pass that torch, go ahead and take that L at WrestleMania, and then walk away. You know, let that loss be the end. You know, where if that ended your career, kind of like what Vince McMahon did with Ric Flair, where everything was, hey... You're going to wrestle as if it was your last because you lose, you're retiring, you know, type scenario, you know. But without Vince having to do that to Undertaker, just say, hey, they already had a mystique with the Undertaker. Triple H made mention of it, said, I got your weakness. If I end the streak, I end your career. 
you know. So I mean, you could have played off that. What strict dies, you die. Yeah, you could have played off. I love that promo, by the way. You you could have played off that to where, hey, if the streak ends, that's the end of the Undertaker. He's retired, and I know Undertaker said at the Broken Skull sessions, it's like if he really had his choice, he would have lost it to Roman Reigns and let Roman Reigns be the one and only guy to beat him. That way, it'd be special. But you know, Roman wasn't there yet when Brock Lesnar got it, and he said he knew something was up because usually Vince will send somebody. To come tell right. you Vince wants to see you. Vince personally came to his uh, where he was at and closed the door. And he goes, yep, I know where this is going. <laughs> well, it's like, it's to me, I, I said this to you before in a private conversation. I felt like if they were going to do something like this for Brock Lesnar, for be special for Brock against the Undertaker, I could picture Brock Lesnar having that comoral lock on Undertaker, right? Taker mm-hmm. somehow managed to get to the rope, right? Brock was so into it, did not release the hole and referee the break, did a five count, squat, I see this ringing the bell, Brock breaks Undertaker's arm. Yeah, he would break Undertaker's arm. So, okay, Taker's, disqu- you know, Brock's disqualified, you know. Taker would technically win the match by DQ, but Brock Lesnar breaks the Undertaker, breaks his freaking arm. Undertaker's carried out in a freaking stretcher. Brock beat the talent tail out of the Undertaker to a bloody pull. But the streak stayed attacked, but Brock Lesnar just destroyed the Phenom. You know what I'm saying? Broke the Phenom's arm. He didn't break the streak, but he broke the dead man, Brock Lesnar. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Streak would have been protected, and Brock Lesnar still would have got elevated. He still would have left with Brock and Ryan saying he wiped the floor with the dead man. That's how. That's how I would have done it. You know, not and that would have been a perfect way. That would have been the perfect way to do it, but yeah. it still wouldn't. I think they were looking at that shock factor, and oh, they got it. They got, they got it. Everyone eyes big and bad, and, and it's almost like you didn't believe it until it actually happened. One, two, three. And it was like, huh? What? And the bell rang, and then you saw the streak number. And it's 21 and 1. It was just like, oh, you know. Yeah, because the only ones that knew was Vince, Brock, and The Undertaker. And Paul Heyman was saying on behind the ropes or behind the ropes or whatever it was and made this elaborate story about what if Brock Lesnar went into business for himself, you know, and beat the Undertaker senseless and took the streak. If I would have told you anybody else would have done it, you would have said bullshit. But the fact that it was Brock Lesnar... It's not you know, far-fetched My thing With Brock Lesnar And I love and respect Lesnar, I respect his athleticism I followed his career from Day one, from when he won the uh, NCAA title in the, in the year 2000 In amateur wrestling You know, all the way From WWE to MMA To back to WWE but one thing we always knew about Brock, he did not grow up in the business. He didn't watch the business. He knew nothing about the business. I don't think Brock appreciated the fact that he ended the streak. It's like, well, I just saw it as a challenge. Yeah. 
you know, and that's fine that Brock feels that way, but I don't think Brock looked at as under, I don't think he quite understood how special that drink really, really was. And I think somebody wrong who grew up in the business and understood what that opportunity, you know, meant. Um, again, that's not hitting on Brock. Like I said, man, I shoot, Brock's one of my idols. You know, I, I, I still say when people are sitting there talking shit about Brock Lesnar, you're just fucking jealous because Brock can only do it real. He can do it pro wrestling style. He can do it anyone style. You know what I mean? You know, Brock's been my guy for a long time. I love Lesnar, man. I respect his ability. You know, that being said, I do kind of hate the fact he's been a part-timer. I know what they're trying to do him by making the belt special and making Brock Lesnar special as a special attraction. I get it. That's fine. I don't know. But I can see why, you know, some of the other superstars will look at that as a slap in the face. And Brock Lesnar gets that reputation like an ultimate warrior, how he was back in the day. But... I don't know, man. Man, we've had a hell of a ride here. We kind of talked everything here tonight. You know, uh, is there anything about the podcast that you want to talk about with The Undertaker? Hmm. You know something that came out that that was on this last one that he did with uh, the Broken Skull Sessions, where, you know, they brought out the bottle of Jack early because on the last one they waited about halfway before Austin brought the (laughs) bottle of Jack out. And, uh... So, yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but um, he brought out another bottle. It's wine, Undertaker wine. I started to get, they started getting drunk. Yeah, Undertaker wine. Tell me, Kirk, man, you got a bottle ordered and you're ready to go pop it over for New Year's this year, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't have one ordered yet, but looking at it, at least, at now, it, the, at least uh, now I know where to get you for Christmas. It's, it's WWE <laughs> wines, it's wwewines.com. Yes. Yes. But they have um, the Undertaker and the Ultimate Warrior wines. Really? Yes. Really? And a two-pack is $100. So it's $50 for a bottle of wine. So needless to say, you can get them individually, which is about 50 bucks, Or you can get a gift set, which it's um, you can either get two Undertakers or two Ultimate Warriors <laughs> or one of each. And I'm sitting here going, man, I'd have to at least come up with $200 because one of them I'm going to drink. The other one I'm going to put up on the shelf, you know. <laughs> but, hey, I got as Ultimate Warrior, too. So, you know. Oh, man. Know. Warriors! But I just thought, man, they're trying to launch their own brand of freaking wines now. They're trying to get in the drinking business now. But, uh, but yeah, I, I looked at it and saw it and thought, I was like, well, shit. Did you ever see, uh, did you ever, uh, you ever see the Warrior and the body bag matches with the uh, Undertaker back in the day, 1991? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and having the Undertaker raise up at the body bag, still in the body well, bag. What did you like? Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of Oka, like I said, I thought this was funny. So uh, I went and looked this up on uh again on the network and on YouTube. Uh, when I heard the story on the spoken skull sessions about uh, Mr. Pringle, Paul Bearer, right? You know, it's the same where they got the Undertaker in the Abomini area and they're cutting up Austin's shirt and everything. All right, just go ahead and get these pants off as a crab with shorts. I was just sitting there, hey. <laughs> <laughs> They they say that Percy Pringle, oh Percival God. Pringle, was a freaking prankster and a jokester now. 
Um, but I think you sent me the YouTube video where you show the bloopers and then you show what what was actually taken. <laughs> All right, time to come off with these pants. <laughs> You know what's you know what's sad though. I've I've, I've uh, been in law enforcement and been in the healthcare uh, environment. I've that's that's what they do. They cut up in your shirt and they rip off your damn pants down your freaking nothing and they start working on you. Oh, Bob, yep. so I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think I ever want to be in that situation conscious and knowing that's what they're going to freaking do. It's it's well, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering how many times they had an awesome bite in his tongue in the whole situation. I got the ladder doing this. I can That's imagine the ribs. I mean, hey, head. if you yep. think about some of the skits that we tried to do back in old school AWF days, yeah, well, the sooner they will break. <laughs> you know, the whole North and South movie <laughs> thing at, at Getty, the Gettysburg. Battle of Gettysburg. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, in the uh, center they were breaking. We're, <laughs> we're trying to do the whole scene. <laughs> I couldn't get it right. Oh no, what? I just bit my tongue. <laughs> you almost got through it till you bit your tongue, and then when we went to start it again, you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. I don't what? know what. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. <laughs> well, just like earlier today, we were talking about arm bars, you know. Arm bars and freaking, uh, what was that other? Uh, oh, man. Crap, I can't even remember it now. We should write this stuff down sometimes. The arm bar, I right. definitely remember that one. Yeah, arm bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, first I'm going to do, I'm going to look out at you. I'm going to pitch you the head. I'm going to take you down the arm bar. And I just started laughing. That was priceless. <laughs> and then you're oh, going to work God. up, you're going to sling me off the ropes, and I'm going to grab you and duck under your clothes while they put you back into the arm bar. Yeah. Arm <laughs> bar. <laughs> Chris Jericho, eat your heart out. And you're going to hold back up, you're going to try to get your whole spot, and I'm going to cut you back off and put you down in the arm bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, man. Hey, man. I want to say this more quick about The Undertaker. I really want your opinion on this, okay? I heard this asshole talk about on Coco Cabana's podcast where, you know, Mr. Phil Brooks, you know, the best in the world. CM Punk, baby. You know, man, we got punked out by the Green Ranger. What are your thoughts? Him saying that I might putting over this part-time at WrestleMania. This ain't the main event at WrestleMania. You know, uh, I want to make a WrestleMania. I might be booked with this part-timer. Am I going, wait, I'm not going over? I got to put this part-time over? He's talking about The Undertaker. Oh, Brooke, I mean, I, my God. Talk about disrespectful in this freaking business. I mean, whatever respect I did had, I lost all at that point. I just... I despise the guy, hate the guy. I mean, business is beyond business. This man has done everything he could at that point for you. Make sure you had a WWE after make your damn debuts in. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, man. How disrespectful can you freaking be? You're working at a match at WrestleMania. At this point, he was 20 and 0. You know? Biggest streak in the history of the first wrestling business, probably more than I've never been a big, debatable 
you know, because Andre has lost matches, um, just not recognized by the WF. Um, you know what I mean, Jay? Yeah, I got you. But but like you know, and and then you're you're getting a good opportunity. You know, you just had match with The Rock. Okay, I get it. Seven years of The Rock, Mr. Hollywood. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, fine. You know, you don't like Dwayne. Whatever. Okay. But someone who's been everything to us in professional wrestling, to the business, to his peers, and you're getting an opportunity uh, to work with him at WrestleMania, and you're like, why am I working part-timers, Vince? Why am I, you know, am I going over Vince? Okay, I'm not going over Vince. Now, what the fuck, Vince? You owe me one. You sack a main event at WrestleMania. Well, dude, working in a match with WrestleMania with The Undertaker, man, they consider it the main event. I'm sorry. You know, tell me, Jay, do they do they not consider that be one of the big main event attractions, one of the attractions. Everyone goes to WrestleMania, knowing they're going to see Undertaker wrestle. And who's going to be one to beat the streak? The fact that you're bitching about working with a part-timer, the bitching fact you had to put him over? Come on, dude. Come on, seriously. seriously. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to shoot. I am going to shoot. Okay. Make sure you don't miss this time, <laughs> I'll try not to. You know, this target's sitting dead near a point blank range. I can't miss. But um, at this point in time, Undertaker's not really, not really classified as a part timer because seemed like every WrestleMania he's had, he's had to go away for an injury that took him away, and it just so happened to come around to WrestleMania before he was ready to compete again. So, right. but at the same time, you are wrestling the Undertaker. The fact that he's willing to do business with you, because at this point in time, he is 20 and 0 at WrestleMania. He is the main event. I don't care where you put him on the card, he is the main attraction. The streak. The streak is what everybody's been talking about for almost a decade at this point. You know, the streak, the streak's a thing. The streak has a life of its own, you know, of the who's who the Undertaker put away at WrestleMania. And you're going to be added to that list, you know. I mean, what more do you want, Phil? What more? Oh, I, I need to win this one. Are you serious? Are you serious right now? I mean, you have a guy like Randy Orton that was thrilled mm-hmm. pink. The fact is that he was in the ring with the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Granted, he didn't win it at WrestleMania. That's right. He he won it. He won a match against the Undertaker at a later pay per view. You know, SummerSlam. So it, I mean, no, no it, it will it will eventually come back to you. But to turn around and say, "Well, I don't," I'm look look. Undertaker is one of those that I would never classify as a part timer. Even when he was only working at WrestleMania, he's earned that right. He paid his dues. He has the perfect gimmick. People pay money to see this man wrestle once a year. And you're going to be that guy center stage with the man that pretty much built WrestleMania with this streak, built the the prestige of WrestleMania, The Undertaker, and you're going to shit all over it of, why am I working part-time events? 
Well, maybe Vince McMahon saw something in you to put him in there against the guy that pretty much made this company a success for the better part of two decades going on three at that, you know, because we're at WrestleMania, you know, and he was WrestleMania, Mr. Number 21. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, really, guy? You're going to get caught up? Okay, I understand. Like you said, you may not, Dwayne may not be your favorite person, but you did business. You put him over, not once, but twice. I get it. You're frustrated. But this is the phenom. This is the undertaker. This is the dead man that has everybody's respect in that locker room. And you're going to diss it? Everyone's. And you're going to diss it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, hey, say what you want to about The Rock. You know, The Rock, I mean, yeah, he, he... he did his job. He did what he's supposed to do. He he can't help the fact that he decided to go off to Hollywood. He had to choose a path for himself. You know, hey, he, he he did what Brock Lesnar did. He made it big in the industry. Then he decided to go out. I'm gonna make myself bigger in this industry. I respect right. what Wayne's done. I mean, and right now on, he I mean, is like the highest paid ho- actor in Hollywood right now. You know, I mean, he's done good. He's been successful. I got nothing but respect for. Uh, but the Wayne Undertaker the is Jonathan. wrestling. Come on, the Mark Calloway is wrestling. You know, pure and simple. You know, say what you want to about Brock, but Undertaker is wrestling. You know, he's Mister WrestleMania. I mean, not taking anything away from Sean, but to me, that Mister WrestleMania should have went to the Undertaker. Because everybody paid to see the streak. Everybody was... I remember that was the big bet right there. Is this the year that Undertaker loses it? People were losing money. Hey, hey, do you remember remember when I lost money, lost the bet? uh, WrestleMania, um, I think it was 23. Dave Batista. Was it WrestleMania 23? Yeah, I think think so. I when think Batista so. was the world champion. Undertaker won the Rumble. Let's see, because WrestleMania Bobby 20. Lashley. Yeah, because you had Wrestle- Bobby Lashley. Hold on, hold on. WrestleMania 20 was um, a freaking... Um, it was Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. Oh, it was Kane. Russell Undertaker versus Kane. I'm talking 20. about champions. I'm talking about champions. Um, because uh, twenty one, but he's in Triple H. WrestleMania twenty one, Batista and John Cena won was in the main event, and they won their perspective. So WrestleMania twenty two, I, I want to say, is when it was Undertaker and Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. No, 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 no. no. WrestleMania twenty two was Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton. And Triple H and John Cena. Okay. I was trying to tell you, WrestleMania 23, that was the year Tanker won the Rumble. Then at the time, yes. you had Bobby Lashley was the ECW champion. John Cena was the WWE champion. And Dave Batista was the world champion. All That's three guys it. were in the ring. Iron Tanker was going to choose who it was. And he chose Batista. But remember, I said WrestleMania 23 because, okay, WrestleMania 3, 20 years after Sky Dome, uh, Sky Dome, I'm sorry, um, um, the Pontiac Silver Dome. Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was never been beaten in 15 years. You know, what stories being told, right? Story. And Hogan did something. Yeah, Hogan did something special that night. He picked up, body slammed Andre, leg drop, pinned him one, two, three. And I'm thinking, 
20 years later, they're going to want to do something special for WrestleMania 23. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Undertaker, undefeated streaks on the line. Batista, the upcoming world heavyweight champion. Hmm. Red hot. I kind of saw a little bit hit there. Red hot. Yeah, Batista was red hot during this time. You know, so I was looking at Batista to, you know, successfully defend this title. I really think that the fans would say coming, you know, the big shock factor, if you would. But you went, and what did you tell me back then? You're like, Bill, don't bet against the Undertaker. Oh, man, I'm doing this year. Batista's going to win it. No, nah, Bill, don't bet against the Undertaker. Get laughing. No, nah, man, it's going to do it. We watched it that night. And I said, well, damn. I'll never bet against the Undertaker again. <laughs> and I think after after Batista was Edge, wasn't it? Uh, WrestleMania 24. It was yeah. It was uh yeah. Well, um, uh, WrestleMania 24. The following year was actually Undertaker and uh, Edge. Yeah, and uh, Undertaker beat Edge for the world title. You know, mm-hmm. which is a good main event, by the way. And and WrestleMania it, 25, Shawn Michaels and the uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Undertaker started. Right. You know. and then, of course, 26, 27, 28. You get the picture. Yeah. You know, but still, you know, it was it was a good run, man. I enjoyed I enjoyed all the WrestleMania matches that Undertaker competed in, but you know, there it is what it is. One, but there was only one that kind of made you, huh? And that was Giant Gonzalez. I mean, uh, yeah, I was a little nervous that night. I thought Gonzalez might have won it, but kind of hoping Tanker was going to win it. But, you know, he got hurt that core knocked him out, but then he comes back to the ring and kicks out his butt. was not ready. He won DQ. But, you know, early on in WrestleMania, though, I, I mean, I can't get over the Tombstone, Jake the Snake, I mean, Rose Jake back in the ring, and pins a one, two, three. And then Jake's out at WWF. He goes on to WCW later on that year, you know. But I was, um, you know, going up to the Survivor Series, Jay. I was watching WrestleMania 13. You know, you know, I, I want to bring this up. I think it's kind of funny. And Undertaker said in the Smoke School sessions that first time, which, which me and you talked about this before too. The first time Undertaker ever acknowledged that the streak was when he beat Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18, remember? Mm-hmm. And after he pinned him, he gets in the road with the whole 10 sign, 10-0, and 10-0. And everyone said the first time the streak was ever acknowledged. I say the very first time was WrestleMania 13. And I watched this match just the other day. Undertaker versus Sid. When Taker became the title, he won, he won the World Wrestling Federation Championship for the second time. Jim Ross said when Taker was coming to the ring, Undertaker has never lost at WrestleMania. You know, so when people try to say Michael PSA says, "Hey, Undertaker never lost at WrestleMania," Duke, 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 you know, like, come on, did y'all not listen to y'all's commentary? Jim Ross said it that night. Jerry King Lawler, Vince McMahon was commentating with Jim Ross, and Jim Ross said that night WrestleMania 13, Undertaker's never lost at WrestleMania. And then people said, well, what kind of a streak did he have back then? Okay, WrestleMania 7, Jimmy Snooker, WrestleMania 8, Jake the Snake, WrestleMania 9, Giant Gonzalez, Skip WrestleMania 10, he wasn't there. WrestleMania 11, King Kong Bundy, that's 5. WrestleMania 12, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, her, her, her. that's 6. When he took on, he was 6-0 at WrestleMania at that point, that's a streak. 
if you don't know what a streak is out there, you win one, you win two, that's called two in a row. You win three, that's called a winning streak. So at that point, before he took on uh, Sid, uh, Sid Vicious, he was already 6-0 at that point. When he beat Psycho Sid, he became 7-0 at WrestleMania. You know, I rest my case. Bingo. So I, the streak has been acknowledged long before WrestleMania 18, you know. But, you know, hey, you know, what is what it is. But as far you as know, the story, you know, I don't know. It depends on how they classify it. Because what would Bruce Pritchard always say? That wasn't the story we were telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I got to bring this up before we go. All right. It's on YouTube right now. It recently got published. It's not, it's not a very long segment, but you heard on the first, um, I know it's been on ESPN a podcast with Undertaker, and I can't quite remember if it was talked about in the first uh, Smoker Skull Sessions. It might have been. It might have been. Matter of fact, I took it back. I think it was. I'm starting to remember it now. Where the Undertaker addressed the whole cooking situation. Oh, you got me, brother. You know, the tombstone thing. And Hogan was telling him before, hey, I, I, my neck is hurting. I've hurt my neck. Be careful out there, the tombstone. Don't worry, Terry. I'm going to take good care of you. Blah, blah, blah. When the tombstone happened, oh, you got me, brother. You know, and... And everyone says his head never hit the mat. His head never hit the mat, you know. And come Tuesday in Texas, and then and then Undertaker, um, you know, confronts you know Hogan and says, Terry, your head never hit the mat, you know. I mean, I don't see how it hurts you. It's like, well, brother, when you're holding so freaking tight, you know, the vibrations of it must have hurt. And you know, I suppose it marks like, okay, Terry, I see what you're all about. Walk away. I think I said something here. I'm not trying to call no money, and I'm not trying to 100% defend Terry Bollea here, but I understand one thing. I'm a whiplash victim myself, you know. It don't take much force to hurt your neck. When Sometimes when you're in a vibrating frame with your, with your neck, with your back, and, you know, the impact of itself, the trauma itself, pow, your head may not connect, but the blow of his knees, the vibrations up, can cause a type of effect. And, I'm sorry, and it's the fact is fact. that you're upside down. You're upside and down. His neck was already, and his neck was already hurting before the match. You know what I'm saying? He's upside down, so all the blood's rushing to his head. And with that sudden stop dropping to your knees, yeah, your head may not have ever touched the match, but you have a sudden stop then that yeah. jars you. So, I mean, yeah. he may not have ever connected, but at the same time, it, it still hurt regardless, you know? And uh, you know that because I think you, with you being a whiplash victim and you coming in to do a splash on me, I think we were training and it hurt your neck and you were splashing me. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. sudden impact and that sudden stop that got your neck? And, and it All was nothing sudden, I physically did. I did, a, I did a leg drop. I did a leg drop to someone one time. I jumped up, hit the leg. When I, could, when I hit, boom, all of a sudden my neck flared up. Boom. If uh-huh. you watch the match, as soon as I do the leg drop, boom, I'm grabbing the back of my neck. I'm holding the ground, hold like, oh, my God, you know. And it was like, wait, what happened to Bill, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my opinion, I think that's what happened to Hulk Hogan. I don't it's think possible. he purpose I'm not going to sit there and, 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 I just, and call him a liar, you know, because you know as well as I do with injuries – yeah, you don't have to hit that certain body part for no. it to hurt. 
Now, I'm sure Hogan might have politicked or whatever around backstage and other matches. And Hulk Hogan would tell you, hey, it's a shoot, brother. As long as I'm holding on the belt, I'm making good money, brother. You know what I'm saying? He's he's mm-hmm. come on, he's came clean with that. So uh, I'm pretty sure he was politicking backstage. And then, hey, he that's his business, back. right? Right. Yeah. But, 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 but what I'm talking about is there's an interview. It was done not that long ago. And Hulk Hogan got asked the questions about Mark Cowley and Undertaker. And Hogan says, um, oh, yeah, 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 Mark Calloway. And Hogan tells the story and how he was doing Suburban Commando. They're looking for bounty hunters, characters-wise. And, and, you know, they they just didn't have anybody that could come close to the description that he needed. But he knew about some guys down the NWA in the Tennessee area. You know, I remember seeing Mark Calloway. He saw these guys. Oh, yeah, man. And, like, I could make some money with this guy. I'm going to bring him to Vince. So, soon as with Suburban Commando, he brings him to meet Vince McMahon to sit down in his office. And Vince looks at him. Oh, yeah, we're going to call him the Undertaker. According to Terry Bollea, Vince said that right then there in front of Hogan. From here, yeah, we're going to call him the Undertaker. And Hogan says, I don't know, Vince. I've been saying my prayer, training your vitamins, and taking the right thing. Now, you want you want to use a character it's going to be putting people in body bags and trying to raise the dead. Oh, I don't know, Vince. Terry's like, well, I was wrong about that. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, have you ever, ever, ever hear Mark Calloway talk about Hulk Hogan saying, yeah, Hulk Hogan introduced me to Vince McMahon. You know, he was, I was right there with Hulk Hogan when they, when, when, when he announced that. I've never heard Mark say never. that. The story I've always read and heard. I heard Mark say he was at home one day, hope he get a phone call. And a phone call, Auntie answered the phone. Hey, is the Undertaker there? I said, "Well, uh, yes, he is." I, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, that's a, a lot better I've than that, man. But a lot better yeah. than that, man. You know, because he said <laughs> yeah. when he first went up to Stanford, there's this big yeah. gigantic egg there for Survivor Series for this this turkey to come <laughs> popping out. So he's looking at that egg, going, "I'm going to be Eggman." I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to have to shave my head, shave my eyebrows. I'm going to be Eggman. This is going to be it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So he's sitting at home waiting for a phone call. Hey, the Undertaker there. Well, yeah. it ain't Eggman. Uh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I've always loved that part of the story, though, man. But to hear I Bruce mean, Pritchard talk, though, no, Bruce Pritchard is the one that convinced Vince to give that guy a shot. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's sitting here going, so nothing. Now, I remember Road Warrior Vince, Hall when he got sued. And he says, hey, uh, you got the wrong skyscraper or something like that. And you need to get uh, this guy, Mark, you know. I heard, yeah. I, heard, I heard that story about Road Warrior Hawk. You know? Yeah, like when they got Dangerous Dan Spivey up there to play Waylon Mercy. Um, uh-huh. uh, but um, freaking, you know, it was Hawk that came up with the idea of Paul Bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll be funny. Hey, we'll call him Paul Bear. Uh, yeah, we'll call him Paul. <laughs> I like Paul Bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that was funny, dude. Um, but but anyway, <laughs> you know, there's so there's so many contradicting stories on how Mark Calloway made it up to WWF. <laughs> I mean, Hulk Hogan. It sounds like to me he's trying to take credit for a lot of things. Now he might have been present when he was introduced. To the Undertaker, 
you know, when Vince McMahon said, yeah, this is Mark Calloway. We're calling him the Undertaker. But the meeting had already been happened long before that, you know. So, I mean, who who knows? You know, so Hulk Hogan's only telling it from his point of view. He's like, well, Vince came up with it right then and there, you know. I, I know, right? So, I mean, he probably went privily to the information that that Mark had already talked to Vince. Uh, I, I tell you what, man. <sighs> We talk about the beginning, you know, when, when I watched the Survivor Series this past Sunday, you see him walk out for the last time. A flood of memories came through, came through. And and, the, and was it just the memories of Undertaker's greatest matches? It was the memories of all the ones we've lost in the 30 mm-hmm. years that you see the Undertaker with. And some are still alive today. Like me and Dollar Man, Brother Love still around, Honky Talk Man, Greg Valentine, but even Coco still around. But but like like Jim the Anvil Nightheart is no longer with us. The ones commentate that night, Gorilla Monsoon and Roddy Roddy Piper, sadly, no longer, with, no longer us. with us. That was that was there to explain. Look at the size yeah. of that ham hock. Ham hock, yeah. Undertaker, look at the size of this guy. Oh, look at I mean, Yeah, you know, I, I I was thinking about Gorilla and Roddy Piper. And you, you think about me and Gene, and you know, Bobby the Brain. He didn't commentate with some of his matches. Like Monsoon, that's the Undertaker. Monsoon, that's Superfly Jimmy Snuka, who's no longer with us. You know, and I remember Bobby the Brain saying Gorilla Monsoon like WrestleMania Eight. I watched that match the other day at WrestleMania Eight. You know, you got Gorilla Monsoon. How the hell are you gonna stop the Undertaker? And Bobby the Brain was like, "You can't, you can't stop him." Hell, that might be Lurch. You know, I forgot he said that. I'm gonna spit up my damn drink when I was watching it because you know when I first think of the Undertaker, you know, he is that Lurch kind of character from the Adams family, and I often think that's what helped got him popular, you know, you know, and how we talked, and you know, I almost wonder if he did, he did he rang. And then I think about Yokozuna. He was no longer with us. You know, think about that famous casket match they had at Royal Rumble 94, then again at, at Royal, uh, Survivor Series 94, and, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow had good matches with The Undertaker, and He's no longer with us. What about the macho man, Randy Savage? Remember the situation? The match made in heaven, match made in hell. Mm-hmm. The Tigger who took the urn and cracked over Randy Savage's head when Jack Steak was there with that cobra attacking Liz. I mean, come on, man. That's good shit right there, mm-hmm. you know? And macho man, no longer with us, you know? I just think about and the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Again, you know, he got uh, Dusty Rhodes got countered out and Tigger went back to the ring beating up old Dusty. And Dusty, again, no longer with us, you know. And then, God, man, you think it's only people Undertaker's been in the ring with. And then his manager, longtime manager, which I love that, 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 um, oh, that how they edited Paul Bear in at the end, you know what I'm saying? Showing mm-hmm. him there when Undertaker got with the, he's oh, holding up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about great respect right there. And it's just, Wow, you know, you think about all the ones that's been in the ring with the Undertaker, you know, just unfortunately are no longer with us, you know, from the likes of Owen and Eddie Eddie Guerrero. Speaking of Eddie Guerrero, do you remember, um, God, was it, was it Armageddon? I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was an 04, the last pay per view of the year in 04, that fatal four way. You had JBL, you had Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, and Undertaker. It's when JBL was a WWE champion. You remember that frog splash? 
Eddie climbed all the way to the top of that ladder and hit that frog splash. Bang. You know, they didn't have many one-on-one matches that I could ever recall, but I remember that pay-per-view Eddie had with the Undertaker that night, and wow. You know, it's just sad, unfortunate. Um, Eddie's no longer with us, man. Ah, man, I get so thinking about it. You know, it's just, but 30 years of memories, man. 30 years, and yeah, it, how can you not get emotional? I was 11 years old, man, 11 years old. And I saw the fourth annual Survivor Series, 1990. And I all the way in. So the night I watched the Survivor Series, my 12-year-old son, just a year older, was my first song. There's the Undertaker, uh, you know, came out one time. But I got it on, I saw this on Google. What do you think about the rumor that the WWE is trying to service one lap of WrestleMania 37? Vince Russo is trying to stir up trouble. Vince Russo is saying that the WWE is going to have another heel that's going to call out the Undertaker for one last time at WrestleMania 37. I personally don't believe it, but then again, never say never in professional wrestling. Never say never in wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll believe it when I see hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Remember Mick Foley? <laughs> no way out. 2000 mm-hmm. and, uh, 2000. <laughs> this is it. Hell in the cell, Triple H. This is it. I'm done. Farewell. Three weeks later. <laughs> I'm not I'm one out. of those guys that retired and came back four weeks later. I came back three weeks later. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And by then, he's like, shit, I stopped working out. I started eating more. <laughs> he 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 gained like what he said twenty pounds. <laughs> he gained like twenty or thirty pounds before WrestleMania. <laughs> I wasn't planning on wrestling. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> oh, but they reeled man. me back in. <laughs> yeah, poor Mick. <laughs> hey, uh, if I was in that spot, I'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. I work Mania. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, though, man. We, we need to wrap this show up and everything. Final thoughts. But, uh, well, yeah. I know it's not. Well, it is a final thought. I know there's a post going around on Facebook. I know my buddy uh, Damien Sick posted it, and I know it's been floating around, but it's a cartoon image of a father and son where the father is probably like. Mm, mid to late 20s and the son is like our age when undertaker came out uh the first ever survivor series you know welcome you know type thing and then 30 years later the dad's older gray hair and then the son's grown up and it says thank you undertaker and undertaker's leaving the ring i thought that was pretty cool you know and it just sums it up and i'm thinking about you know, my dad really loved The Undertaker, you know, because. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, but, see, he was one of those guys that once he laid claim to something, someone, as far as being his guy, it didn't matter if they were a good guy or a bad guy. That was my dad's people, you know. I can say the same thing, you know, like his favorite tag team in the whole wide world was the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom, oh, yeah. WWF would call oh, them. Yeah. But, you know, that was always his favorite tag team. And 
and the undertaker was like his favorite singles competitor ever Mm -hmm. you know and him not being here for that it just kind of makes you think about it or at least it makes me think about it you know (laughs) because i remember playing a video game he used to call it the kick and stomp because it was on the Sega Genesis. It was Raw as War or Royal Rumble or whatever. Yeah. And they had two characters. Yeah. My yeah. dad and I would always play. He would play The Undertaker and I would play Papa Shango. And we'd kick them and we'd <laughs> stomp them until, until they couldn't stand no more. And then we pinned them. <laughs> and that's what that's we did. Funny. You know, but he was always The Undertaker and I was always Papa Shango. God. But yeah, memories, you know, I mean, The Undertaker is, nobody's going to be able to ever fill his shoes. And and I know they brought it up on the Broken Skull Station. At least it's not in our lifetime. It won't happen in our lifetime. And I can't say never, but the likelihood of it happening, it's possible but not probable. Because you don't know what person's longevity is. You might have all these plans and going, hey, you you're going to wind up tying the streak and you know, that guy gets injured after five or six WrestleManias and can no longer compete. Well, that's scrapped and time to go on to the next one. You know, I mean, the, the, like I said, it's always a possibility, but it's not going to be a probability of something like that happens. That might be once one and done, you know, it might be because you never know somebody's longevity. You don't know, what could happen? You know, there's other promotions coming around. The guy that they might be grooming, the guy that, you know, might wind up going to another promotion, you know, for more money or more success or whatever else. So, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't ever see his streak ending or getting taken over, you know, or even coming close. Because, like you say, you use that word longevity. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, thinking about it, man, people that have came in and have left before and pretty much retired before the undertaker, you know, like John Cena or, you know, triple H or, you know, that could have been there, you know, edge. I mean, unfortunately, you know, he had the injury that sidelined him where he thought he was done with wrestling and now he's kind of back on a part-time basis, but he's back nonetheless. But at the same token, they'll never. I don't. I, probability of it happening is like a point zero 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 one percent chance. And you know, I'm just glad we were able to live it and watch it and and enjoy it. You know, I mean, the Undertaker was always going to be like the constant in the World Wrestling Federation. Once he debuted, you knew he was the guy. You know, he he. You know. All jokes aside, you know, Bobby Heenan calling him, it looks like Lurch or, you know, whatever else. But all actuality, when they paired him with Paul Bearer and got him away from uh, Brother Love, which made more sense. But, see, Bruce Pritchard also had obligations in the back. He couldn't do both. And uh, that was the whole thing. They had to find a match for him because he had to be booked. I'm sorry. You could be in a road Undertaker traveling, and Bruce picked the obviously had a final measure. That's when uh, Percy Pringle came about, and then pure coincidence, pure coincidence, the man had a license to be um, they call that Morticia. Yeah, you Mortician. Know. He's a licensed Mortician. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Licensed science mortician, and that worked out perfect. That's someone like him they needed. And they used his license to get coffins and caskets and whatnot. And yeah, you know, hey, look at look this out though about Vincent Man being inside the same casket. You know, which is one of my horrifying favorite memories of the Undertaker and the superstars of wrestling at their funeral parlor when Ultimate Warrior picked up oh, you know, Undertaker. Oh. Undertaker picked up the Ultimate Warrior, put him in the coffin, and it kept punching Warrior, punching Warrior, and finally slamming the casket shut, and they locking it up, and then. Yeah, that was scary for me when I was a kid. I was just like, oh, you know. Uh-huh. And, the and then when they dead, finally, finally drilled through the lock and got it open, yeah, you see where the warrior had clawed. Clawed, clawed. Oh. That was scary. Never seen a warrior in that kind of predicament before. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably one of the most horrifying memories of the Undertaker and them doing that. And that was... Wow, it was it was cool, man. It was cool. It was, it was the cool. right gimmick, the right person to do. Uh, you know. Yeah, I don't. It, me and you talked about this the other night. Could somebody else have pulled off the gimmick, the Undertaker? You know, when someone would mention Sid or Dan Spivey or anybody that maybe even Glenn Jenkins. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna say it like this. I think somebody could have pulled off the gimmick, but nobody wouldn't have been as dedicated. Nobody could have got it over the way Mark has. Mark Calvin right. has. Because Mark you know, lived last it. Long, did he lived it. And he, he knew when it was time to evolve the character. Yes. And, and then come bring it around full circle because he had some apparitions, apparently, of trying to bring the dead man he, back. He did. He did. You know, are you sure? You know, because we've already done made up here. The boys, the boys, like, oh, great, we got to do it. The guy's going to be a no seller again. But uh, they they, they worked it, they fixed it, and made it look right. He was still the Undertaker, you know. And Mm -hmm. like I said, man, I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his entire 30 year run. Thank it's very much very little even during the time frame of 1995 when business was down i was still pulling for the undertaker i never thought where he had a bad match i mean there were a couple of matches might have could have gone better i was a little disappointed in brian lee and the undertaker versus undertaker i thought it could have been better from what it was but you got what you got you know you got everything you expect to get out of it and you know so overall though i mean uh he, he had a tremendous career man and my favorite match, wrestling-wise, 2006, No Way Out, Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist, defending world champion against the number one contender at the time, The Undertaker. And it was a great uh, in-ring, chain wrestling, back-and-forth kind of battle, if you would, between Kurt Angle and Undertaker. As far as his in-ring performance, is probably my favorite match. But I... My favorite, all-time favorite match, favorite match where WrestleMania 21, believe it or not, when he took on Randy Orton, and you know the backstory here, me being a mm-hmm. United States Marine, and Randy Orton could not honor his commitment of being a Marine, ended up, you know, becoming a UA, or went AWOL, if you would, and, you know, he couldn't hack it in the core, so I didn't have a whole lot of respect for Randy Orton at that time, and then I've always felt like Undertaker did the Marine Corps a favor when he tombstone and beat <laughs> Randy Orton one, two, three at WrestleMania twenty one. Hey, you know I remember we were fully prepared to stop quote unquote stop Watch. watching wrestling yeah. altogether if Randy Orton yeah. won Orton at WrestleMania. <laughs> 
We're we would stop the pay per view right there, turn the TV off, and go. That's it. I'm done. done. (laughs) The the rest of the event don't matter. You know, if Undertaker don't win, that's it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But oh man, uh, did you get a chance to watch uh, that under that rivalry that documentary of Undertaker versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania? Not yet. I need to. I know you're telling me that's fun. Favor. Yeah, do yourself a favor and watch that because that that is awesome. Uh, and it gives you some insight on it. And like I said, you know, of course, now we have a different respect for Randy Orton than we did. Of course. And, of course. And Viper, um, you know. Mm-hmm. The Apex Predator. You know, I mean, the legend killer, you know, I mean, right, right. But looking at it, if it would have been later in his career and he did it, I don't think we would have had a problem with it. If you know, it would have been later, like in the order was that guy to end the streak later on at the same time frame Brock Lesnar did it, we would have been okay with it. Yeah, you know, we'd have been able to stomach it because by then we're already coming around to the Viper, you know, coming around to Randy. I mean, he paid his dues. Mm-hmm. He paid his dues in this business. He weathered the storm and, of bad publicity. And not only and, that, you know. but we came to the realization that the military is not for everybody, you know. Well, and you you came you came to that realization. I still look at the man as a coward as far as that goes. Sorry, <laughs> you came to that realization. Oh, it ain't for everybody, man. Screw that crowd. If it ain't for everybody, you do your four years and then you get out. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, marking out there the twins, aren't we, Jay? Yeah, that's okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, that being said, we got Turkey Day tomorrow. But, hey, man, I appreciate you being on the show. We had a great time talking about The Undertaker. I appreciate you being a good sport of addressing the uh, Adrian Davis situation and the uh, live wire and um, even UCW. I do apologize. I know I come come hard on you guys on UCW and everything, but I just want you guys to do better, you know, and try to think differently, man. Think outside the box. Do what you got to do to get your promotion over you know, no one wants to see a promotion go out of business, you know, so if you and Don can get together and get UCW back where it's going again, you know, I'm going to do what I can to help you guys out. With that being said, I'm dedicated to Livewire. I'm dedicated to IWE, but I'm still dedicated to the tag team of Dead Reckoning. I wish you guys the best. And, hey, you know, the rumors are true. You guys will get another opportunity to go after the tag team championship and the promotion. Hey, man, go for it, man. I hope you guys win it, you know. And good luck to you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Happy late Thanksgiving. You do get a chance to listen. I appreciate y'all. Welcome to the night, and we'll see you guys next time. Later.